All right, ready or not, the Robert Scott Bell Show is about to be on. Sacred Fire of Liberty edition with Jonathan E. Mord. Lots of exciting updates and events coming up in addition to the ones you already know about. If you haven't checked out Emord for Virginia, emord4va.com, you'll see some, some good ones coming to a city town near you. As well, uh, James Rogowski, is it? Or Rogowski? I can't pronounce it. I think I should be able to. There it is, James Rogowski schedule. We're going to talk about the international treaties of the WHO trying to supplant what's left of national sovereignty for here, for those of us here in the United States. They want to not become an advisory body. The WHO wants to be uh, a legally authorized, restrictive mechanism to shut down all freedom in America. I'm not kidding. We'll talk about that as well. But first up, Jonathan Emort is going to join us live momentarily. Tell your friends the Robert Scott Bell Show is on robertscottbell.com slash listen. And uh, the chat room's happening. We'll see you there. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Just a quick update as we begin the show today. Uh, you know, I've been, I got back, what was it, last night, yesterday? I don't even know. I was exhausted, wiped out six days in a row of ridiculous intensity, morning to night, very little sleep, great events, health freedom people, loving every minute of it. At the same time, uh, even me, kickboxing guy, has to rest sometimes. And so uh, most of the time I'm good about when I say do as I say, because I actually do what I say. <laughs> You know, not as I do when I do the opposite, but I have to admit, I fell down in terms of rest and recovery time uh, during the events in Florida the past week. But I'm grateful to be home. I am on the mend, uh, but I just, I wipe myself out. Let me bring Jonathan Emord in, and he, he can attest to that. He works pretty hard, and I hope that he knows how to rest better than I do. Jonathan, how are you, my friend? Doing well, Robert. Good to see you. Glad you're getting some rest. Uh, the big thing for you, Robert, to know is that it's it's strongly discouraged that you use a gas stove. Don't don't use it. <laughs> yes, right. Don't you know. The good news is that the the Consumer Product Safety Commission got its head handed, handed to it. Yeah, you know what uh, I say about well, their their the gas stove, their the gas stove propaganda. I just go, that? here's your gas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> away. Yeah, I I just. The insanity just never seems to end in Washington, D.C., that's for sure. It is amazing. I, you know, I, I come back from this trip, and I am decidedly under the weather, proverbially, but completely of my own doing. You know, I don't look at, oh, I'm victimized. What did I catch? I didn't catch anything. I simply ran myself down. Now, funny enough, when I did this trip, I got there like a Wednesday at midnight. Uh, Friday and Saturday, I found one of my, my favorite gym that I work out with locally. They had one really near where I was staying. I actually went. And I won the challenge of the week for that gym too. <laughs> so that was Probably. early on. And then I just completely de decimated my ability with no sleep and recovery. But yeah. uh, suffice it to say, you're I can withstand it. You're a machine. Yeah. Whether you're but a patient or not, you're still boxing. Yes, absolutely. I worked right through it. Got some good workouts in. But, you know, honestly, it's just, you know, I like to be an ex a good example for others. So when I fall down, I'm happy to go, you know what? It was my fault. This is what I did to help people learn. Now, 
in recovery, like my eyes have been really irritated. I've been spraying silver and now even the copper hydrosol that we have here in the eyes getting better. But I also use the homeopathic uh, euphrasia, which is eye bright. You know, you know, it's an herb for the eyes, but I take it homeopathically. Uh, and, and look, what do we have here? The FDA looking to wipe out my ability to perhaps access something like euphrasia, a homeopathic remedy. Yeah, the FDA is on a rampage trying to destroy homeopathy in the United States. Here, there are no public complaints. There's no one who's deeply concerned other than those who are plaintiff's lawyers attacking homeopathic companies. And here it is, like with the gas stove, the uh, government is acting against you, denying you choices. Uh, they don't want to leave it to you to decide whether it's prudent to use a gas stove. They don't want to leave it to you to decide what method of medication you find most acceptable and useful for you. They just want to take that all away and tell you what to do, favoring specific companies over others. Can you imagine what would happen to electric uh, oven sales, stove sales, if they destroyed the gas uh, uh, stove marketplace? I mean, my goodness, they would skyrocket. The, it's all favoritism. It, it, it actually is. And, and you know, you yeah. mentioned that because it's, it's expanded beyond what we call the regulatory state for us here on this show. Most people are most primarily concerned how it affects them when it comes to their choices in health and healing, maybe not as much cooking, right? But good Lord, I love gas stoves well beyond any electric stove. The electric stoves suck as far as I'm concerned. I hate them. It's so hard to keep the temperature right and to get it uh, up to snuff as far as heating is concerned. Then you have to yeah. replace the electric units because they mm -hmm. tend to break down. I mean, gas is the way it is. It's clean natural gas is a great source of, of heating and energy for our country being destroyed by this administration. The, the tragedy of all of this is at root, the power we have given to the regulatory state such that it can even come close to doing such a thing as taking away gas stoves in America or mm taking away your right in California to drive an automobile that is uh, a fossil fuel based vehicle. This is all just rip away your choices, force you into certain markets. And the upshot of all of it is destruction of competition and free enterprise. And that means fewer jobs. That means fewer opportunities to advance in society for people. Upward mobility is hurt by that. And our standard of living drops. So while they are saluting the communist Chinese as they pollute the whole world into a pollution oblivion, they are forcing us to go back to the Stone Age. Well, and yeah, and it, it, another thing that the, all of these things do, they actually do damage to the environment, much oh, worse than anything that's happening with, you know, it's the a way fraud. the market would operate. Yeah. Uh, big by the way, big fraud. Jonathan, I saw somewhere this past week you got to hang out with uh, Senator Rand Paul. Is that correct? Did I see that right? For a little bit. I mean, it was his uh, swearing in on January the 3rd, and we got invited to go to his office to celebrate the swearing in. And I spent a lot of time actually with his son, uh, uh, Will, Will Paul, who's really very, he's a fantastic guy. He's a very strong advocate of liberty. And I spent a little teeny bit of time with Rand Paul. He was surrounded by a lot of people who wanted to shake sure. his hand and talk to him. But, That's really cool. But I, I did get a chance to meet several really fantastic, strong advocates of liberty. You know what's interesting? 
they said, oh, if you go down the hallway, you can go to Mitch McConnell's office and you won't be able to see Mitch because there are so many lobbyists in there. Uh, they're packing the room. But here, you know, you can find a bit of a respite because uh, there are individual contributors to Rand Paul's campaign like you who have come uh, to see him and he's not very popular with the lobbyists. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's a that's a feather in his cap. That's a big uh, plus and a big applause for me. To not be popular with the lobbyists is yes. a sign that he's doing what's right for America. Is he aware that you might join him two years hence in that hallowed chamber called the Senate? Uh, I think so. His son, we certainly talked about that. His son was really delighted uh, that I had uh, represented um, Matt Strickland and Gore Meltz in the fight against the ABC board in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And he was delighted to hear that I had uh, uh, succeeded there and that Matt had his license back and his alcohol back and wasn't going to be prosecuted. He was delighted about that. But um, uh, he he's a really good person, Will, and he's a good friend of Andrew LaPasser, who is my main uh, uh, yeah. director. Yeah, I met Andrew at the Health Freedom Expo. Uh, last October, which, by the way, the, the virtual expo is coming up in February. If you haven't signed up for it, 30 bucks, you can get access for everything, th three months worth. It's a great deal, including Jonathan's wonderful presentations and our panel discussions as as well. Now, on to the upcoming events. I just want to make sure people are aware of some of these things because it might be in a city where they already are. Uh, we have on the calendar. Before you read that one, before you yeah. read that one, let me just mention this before I forget because I don't have sure. it in writing. So um, the Virginia Medical Freedom Association is hosting an event in Richmond, Virginia on uh, the 16th, Martin Luther King Day. And there are a number of people they've invited to speak, but they've asked me to speak on health freedom. And as you and I know, I've spent my whole career fighting for individual freedom of choice yes. in the healthcare market and against government censorship of health information. So it'll be good to have to talk to a lot of allies out there and to help inspire them to fight against efforts, even on the state level to force people to have vaccinations and to force yeah. people to have companies force you to vaccinate, to be employed and all that. That's still going on, believe it or not. That's still despite a, everything. Yeah. we have to deal with despite everything. Now this event you just mentioned on MLK day, it's not on your uh, exploratory committee page. It isn't. It, ought, it really ought to be put on there. I'll have yeah. uh, somebody put that on there. So you guys check out emord4va.com. I know that many of you have already supported Jonathan. If you feel like you can again in this new year, calendar year, please do. We want to encourage Jonathan to run. I'd love to see him two years hence beat Tim Kaine in Virginia to become the United States Senator there, working with the likes of Rand Paul to reduce the oligarchy or even eliminate it. And I'll, I'll be able to oratorically land the punches and that uh, Jonathan knows how so so well how to do. Now, I'm looking at the upcoming events, and I'm just going to show, Super Don, you can show this too as I'm reading it, a uh, special event to save America, the Villages in Florida. Uh, that was uh, near Ocala, Florida. Um, uh, I used to live near there. A lot of friends there still, February 7th. Um, the event in Palm Beach is happening February 9th. That's a Thursday. Uh, big event in Orlando, Florida, back in Orlando, the 10th of February. Then there's an event in Glendale, California. I want to see if I can make it to that one. Uh, that'll be the 18th of February, a Saturday event. And then following that, Scottsdale, Arizona, which uh, we love Arizona. I've, we had the Autism One Conference there last uh, month or a couple of months ago. 
If I can make it to that, love to get you all to be there for that one. Scottsdale, Arizona, Monday, March the 6th. We could do a live uh, broadcast. Uh, then Raleigh, North Carolina, the 23rd of March. And uh, Omaha, Nebraska, the 15th of April on the so-called tax day, so to speak. That'll be a great event. So any and all of those events you can make, too. I will try to make it to as many as I can. Um, but, uh, Jonathan, again, thanks for your consideration to run. I would love to see this tip over the edge. I have a sense that it may, but I don't want to be premature in any announcements other than to say we're all rooting for you. You know that. Well, uh, we're coming on long, but, you know, actually any contribution, if somebody really wants to help, if you make a donation, even of like $25 or $20, that is appreciated because we are working so hard to raise what is necessary. Tim Kaine is going to have access right off the bat to $13 million. Mm. And he's going to get another 40 or so million from the Democrat party. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not beholden to anybody and I am not going to be a rhino. I'm going to be the anti rhino. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be particular. I don't think I'm going to be particularly popular with rhinos giving money. And they're the ones that give the most money, sadly, in the Republican party. I'm going to be more like Rand Paul and I just need all the help I can get. So if you're able to do that, the website for donations is emord4va.com. And if you can, if you can donate, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to ask someone to donate who can't afford it, but if you can afford it, yeah, it would make a huge difference. So that would be good. And I should also mention that at a lot of these events, we'll be giving away copies of uh, how Biden stole Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa too, yeah. as well as uh, my latest book, which is Who Am I, which is a biography of Tim Kaine. Actually, it's what Tim Kaine would say about himself if he were given a truth serum and forced, <laughs> to, tell the whole, forced to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. This is what he would have to say about himself. A lot of great illustrations in there. Uh, and it's, 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 I don't know. It's it's really a hoot. Yeah, there you, there we go. Benvenidos. Welcome into the country, everybody who's illegal, everybody. particularly fentanyl. Come on in. Yeah, speaking of that issue, uh, you have a new article out at Town Hall. Uh, it's titled The Constitution's Grant of Independent Power to States Against Alien Invasion. Now, right. the way the headline reads, you know, explain that to me a little bit, Jonathan, because, you know, we're big proponents of the Tenth Amendment where it's not that the states were granted the power. They they maintained it. The, the states helped create the federal government as well the, the people did. So right. uh, I don't know which direction this goes, but I understand the sentiment of where this article goes, and it's very powerful. So actually, the Constitution, um, but for this exception, which exists in Article 1, Section 10, would have actually had the federal government assuming uh, jurisdiction over these issues. But instead, Article 1, Section 10 and contains an exception. That's why I say grant it's actually a grant mm -hmm. from which there is an exception mm -hmm. that specifically allows the states this extraordinary power get this when you think about fighting against uh illegal the illegal alien invasion in the united states no state this is um article 10 no state shall without the consent of congress this is the this is the part of the uh 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 provision that would have given Congress exclusive power here, but watch what happens. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power, 
or engage in war. Now, here comes the exception. Unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So if there's an invasion, the states actually have war power. They have war power. And the war power, of course, includes the power to mm -hmm. arrest illegal aliens, to detain them, and to expel them from the state, even to the extent here, because this also includes the power of agreements with foreign nations and with other states, the states, even in the interior, can expel illegal aliens through uh, agreements with other states to traverse the states to go to the border and throw them across mm. or to fly them out of the country. That's the power given. It's the war power. It's a massive power. And this is a situation which desperately calls for Article 1, Section 10. By the same token, there is another provision, of course, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, which requires the federal government to guarantee to the states that uh, they will be protected against uh, invasion, insurrection, and um, violence, domestic violence. And that guarantees, uh, prior article I wrote on Town Hall calls, uh, talks about the guarantee clause. Has this anybody forwarded uh, your article, particularly as it pertains to the state uh, capacity to do what you say? Like in Florida, to DeSantis, or in Texas, these border states that are just, just overrun. I know it's not going to make a hill's beams worth of difference in California at this point, but uh, this seems to be something that has... If, if tried, it would be much more successful than waiting on the federal government to act. Well, Texas is already, Governor Abbott has declared an invasion and has actually uh, begun uh, use of, of state police and uh, their own um, equipment to achieve border protection. But I think more can be done. I think they can invoke this clause and I think they can use it by declaring an invasion uh, they can assume war powers and can enable their police and the National Guard to arrest, detain, and eject uh, foreign nationals. The government of the United States will argue and will sue and contend that only the government of the United States has the power to control immigration. But this is a different power. This is the power to safeguard the borders of the states. And this is a, a situation where this unprecedented, where the states are being invaded. This is yeah. not a case of just a few foreign nationals coming oh, in. Those tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, yeah, millions. Uh, Jonathan, how did we juxtapose this between your earlier article uh, last week? And it headlines this, states must sue Biden and invoke the guarantee clause to secure the border. You talked about Biden suing the states here. Is this a preemptive uh, attack? I would do both. I mean, I would, uh, if I were in a state that was a border state, was the governor of that state, I would declare that there was an invasion present and I would invoke the powers under Article 1, Section 10 that are allowed through this exception to be taken by the states and used. As you point out, this is really a retained power in the end. I mean, yeah. this is the power, the right of self defense not only applies to an individual under the Second Amendment, but also applies to the states under Article 1, Section 10. And the state, and under the Tenth Amendment as well, and so this power, they have an inherent right to use when there's an invasion. They declare the invasion, and so 
Uh, that's contemplated by the Constitution, that the state will declare the invasion. <clears throat> so there's very clearly an invasion of the border states. They can declare this and they can start e evicting, ejecting illegal aliens back to their home countries or at least across the border from the border they came into uh, through Mexico. And that's well, what really happened. Now, on the other side, I would also, if I were in Congress, I would uh, write a bill that would take the $780 million that the government has allocated for migrant transfers, and I would reallocate that to block grants to the states, the border states, to use in building a wall and in uh, supporting their efforts to eject uh, migrants under their own state law. And I would also um, uh, uh, avail myself of Article 4, Section 4, in that if I were in the states, I would sue the federal government. First of all, the state legislatures would declare uh, there to be an invasion and then, and domestic violence and so forth, and they would document it. And then they would petition uh, Congress to honor the guarantee clause, whereby the federal government is required under the constitution to guarantee uh, uh, defense against domestic violence and against this kind of uh, uh, invasion. What happens under Article 4, Section 4, if I look at that up real fast, it is that the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. And on application of the legislature or of the executive, when the legislature cannot be convened, against domestic violence. So it's time for the states to invoke this provision and demand that the federal government uh, honor its guarantee by ensuring mm -hmm. that the immigration laws are fully enforced such that uh, there would not be illegal immigration inundating their states. And likewise, you would expect that not to be honored by the Biden administration. You then sue the Biden administration seeking a judicial determination that the administration is obliged mm -hmm. under both the oaths of office of the president and Article One requirement that he faithfully execute the law and this provision uh, that like in, you could in, argue and win that in in, in, a, in a federal court you could argue and win that. I think it's possible. It'd be a, a difficult uh, fight, as all of these arguments are. The courts are are a little rusty on this. I mean, this has not been invoked uh, in recent years, and in fact, um, when it has been invoked, the courts have tended when it's only Article Four, Section Four in issue, they have rejected it on political questions grounds. Hmm. But this is different, and here's how it's different. It is the constitutional obligation in multiple places. The president is obliged as commander in chief to defend the border. The president is obliged under his oath of office to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. And he is actually violating the immigration laws by allowing Secretary Mayorkas to actually refuse to uh, implement those laws, the very laws that had been implemented by the prior administration. And that's a legal requirement. He's changing the law, in fact, without the authorization of Congress. So he's also violating the separation of powers doctrine and, and invading the province of under Article 1, Section 1 of the, of the Congress to make the law because he's effectively changing the law by not enforcing it in the presence of mass uh, illegal immigration. And then you also have the, the problem of the president under this section um, 
that, that, that he's not guaranteeing the state's protection against domestic violence when they have petitioned him. They'd have to apply. They would petition him for action. Yeah. So I think under all those things, what would a court do? A court would issue an affirmative mandamus compelling the government to implement the law, the existing immigration laws in those areas where they are not uh, implementing the law. Mm. And uh, the other side of the switch would be a court, a federal court having to admit that under Article 1, Section 10, the states have an inherent power uh, to protect themselves. And by the way, this was done in 2021, I believe in the Second Circuit, where they mm -hmm. actually recognized under Article 1, Section 10, that the states do have this plenary power, even reach the war-making power to defend themselves. So you have a, a judicial precedent here as well that you could argue. We do. And, you know, even James Madison uh, invoked this section to uh, kick out smugglers from Virginia. Hmm. He invoked this very section and said that this is a means by which we can uh, kick these smugglers from foreign countries coming in and smuggling into the Commonwealth illicit um, goods. Hmm. And so there is a long precedent of the use of this to expel or kick out um, foreign nationals from our country when they are engaged in unlawful conduct. Jonathan, you know, you're as you're exploring the potential you might run for the United States Senate in Virginia. Now, you would have to win a popular election, which harkens back to the 17th Amendment. It used to be that the state legislators designated who they want, the two representatives that would be in the Senate, the senators, so that there would be representation of the states. And to some degree, or maybe a rather large degree, I believe the states lost true representation when that was thrown to popular elections. Yet you're arguing as if you know you would run for states in this case, rather than uh, neglectful, being neglectful like many U.S. senators are because they answer to the people in a popular election like they're in the House of Representatives. That was not the way it was originally intended to be. Well, I believe fundamentally in the Constitution. I mean, I, I'm, I support the Constitution of the United States and its allocation of powers and its limitation on power and its Bill of Rights. Uh, I've spent my whole career fighting for defense of individual liberty against government overreach and, and against government censorship under the First Amendment. And, you know, we've won eight, eight cases against the FDA uh, and we've won many other cases against agencies of the government. But the point the point here is that it's high time that we restored constitutional governance to this country. We have a great constitution. We have a great Republican plan in that constitution that puts the people first. It makes the people sovereign. So if you want to be free, you really need our Republican constitution and it needs to be fully operative. If, if we abandon it in favor of what's being advocated by Biden and by his actions, and by the Democrat leadership overtly, that is to favor socialism, what that just means is that you lose power to decide for yourself what's in your own best interest mm -hmm. and to engage in free uh, interactions with people to get the kinds of things you would like. For example, under a socialist edict, which is clearly what's operating here, you're going to lose your right to have homeopathic products. Well, why is that? Well, that's because it's a power grab to protect mm -hmm. the interests of those who have political power, that is the drug industry, from any form of competition. It's a long time plan. These people, they are accustomed to government planning. They are socialists. They believe in government control. 
and they're communists in many respects. And so they want to tell you what to do. They want to enslave the population to their will and use the power of government to impose it. They want to use the police state. They want to use the power of government to use the police to force you to conform. Imagine if that law that the C the Consumer Product Safety Commission wanted to foist upon America and would have done so unless the, the American population so loudly complained, they, they, they were going to make, you know, they were going to cause you not to be able to buy ever again a gas stove. So they would, what is it, what's the real economic consequence of that? The economic consequence is to take the largest manufacturers of electric stoves, not least of which are those in China, and mm -hmm. give them, transfer wealth to them that would otherwise be paid to uh, buy gas stoves. They do the same thing all across the board. The, the Federal Trade Commission has this ridiculous definition of biodegradable that is totally anti-competitive. They describe biodegradable as a substance has to break down into elements in nature, elements, within one year of customary disposal or it cannot be called biodegradable. Under that definition of banana peel is not biodegradable. A tree that falls in the woods doesn't qualify as biodegradable. I Your mean, own body is not biodegradable. I mean, if we were to cast you out sadly into the woods, uh, you would you would disappear over a period of time. It might be years until your bones are are breaking down into compounds. But they are likely never to be broken down into oh. elements. The absurdity of this is that virtually nothing breaks down into elements in nature. They break it down into compounds. Right. So the definition is scientifically inept and absurd and arbitrary. One year? What do you mean? You mean what if it's a year and a day before everything breaks down? Is that not biodegradable? Apparently not under the EPA's mm -hmm. or FTC's definition. So it's this kind of thing where they just basically make things wholly illegal. Mm -hmm. And we've got to put an end to that. And the best way to do it is that bill I wrote for Ron Paul many years ago, the Congressional Responsibility and Accountability I'll Act. How that come back when you're in the Senate? Yeah. And under that bill, you could not have a regulation uh, that was proposed by an agency become law unless Congress passed it. So the people have a check on it Absolutely. and you could not have an existing regulation, which of course was adopted without popular consent, uh, remain in existence unless Congress itself uh, passed it into law within three years. So that, that bill would have really wiped out a lot of the ridiculousness and overreach of the regulatory state and would have tamed it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that needs to be done is that there should no longer be any administrative law courts. All cases against administrative agencies should be adjudicated in independent courts using the existing uh, um, standards because right now, if you're accused by an agency of breaking one of the regulations, and remember, three quarters of all of our laws are from the agencies. Mm -hmm. They're not from your elected representatives. They're from the unelected mm -hmm. heads of the agencies. All right, you break one of those and you get brought up before an agency, what happens? The very party that created the law also enforces the law and will yeah. judge the law. So you have the judge being the prosecutor and there's never any justice in that. And as a result, you lose. And then you have to you have to spend millions of dollars to defend I'll, yourself. I'll bankrupt you. Yeah. And then after that, you've got to appeal to a court. But what does the court do? The court defers to the agency. 
and and then you get no justice there either. So we've got to we've got to change this because yeah. this is entirely unconstitutional, fundamentally a violation of your rights to due process. Who's and, arguing about this in in Senate right now? Really, no one. Uh, exactly, Jonathan E. Moore for for the U.S. Senate folks. Uh, he's not officially declared, but if you support him enough, we'll get him there uh, and move from exploratory committee. And by the way, you know, as I as I go through, you know, event after event, Jonathan, and I meet many nice medical doctors and scientists coming out and realizing that they were duped, they got it wrong, and now they're doing mea culpas and they're trying to do it right. But I, I look back at all the years I've been broadcasting about these things. For instance, when a doctor says, I'm sorry, I was duped. I was lied to by the CDC. And then I say, I've been telling you this for 30 years. And now you want me to say, okay, back to your pedestal. We're going to keep worshiping you. I'm grateful that you acknowledge it. But the point is, and we've talked about this, homeopaths and naturopaths and herbalists, and we're never invited to the table, even though we've been right more often than wrong compared to the medical people on many of these issues, particularly as it manifested in COVID. Well, look, uh, the American people need to be treated as if they are intelligent because they are. They know better than anyone else what is in their own best interest. You've got to be able to make decisions on your own in a free market economy. Where if you're going to have freedom, you have to make the decisions on your own. So what do people do? They read, they study, they listen to people, they listen to various people who are, have disagreements on uh, what they're supposed to do, and then they make their choices. And it's their lives after all. And why shouldn't they be in control of the choices that they make, the life affecting choices that they make? And all too often, what is happening today is that you go into a doctor's office. That doctor has to think first, are you going to sue me? Second, do I have to worry about anything that I recommend to you running afoul of regulations that the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services have imposed? Will they consider my recommendations to you an outlier? Will they consider it to be uh, a um, overuse of Medicare services or an underuse? Overutilization, it's called, or underutilization. All right, will, do I, can I document, and then they think, I have to document my interaction with you in detail. So I either have a voice uh, vehicle that will enable that to happen automatically with a program, or I have to write this out, but it's going to have to be a very detailed record. And so I have to spend little, little time with you. Furthermore, what I charge you is going to be directly affected by Medicare reimbursement or by insurance reimbursement. So I have to be very careful about the amount of time I spend with you. What does this do to the, this makes everyone important, but the patient, this makes everybody important, but you. So you go in there, let's say you had a heart attack. You're going in for your first doctor visit after you got out of the hospital. The doctor is supposed to be telling you what you need to do to reduce your risk of a recurrence. Okay. The doctor is not going to recommend to you that you take omega-3 fatty acids. He's not going to recommend probably even that you have a diet. If he does recommend a diet, he's not going to tell you in detail what kinds of foods you should eat, what kinds of foods you shouldn't. And furthermore, he's if he has an exercise program, which you would need, he's not going to deviate from the standard recommendation of the degree of physical therapy 
that is provided for someone having a heart attack. The whole system's controlled by groupthink. It's no longer a doctor-patient relationship where your interests are paramount and the doctor is working to help you survive. It's instead this complicated relationship in which the doctor has to live within a box and communicate to you what is going to be looked at by others as okay. The insurance mm -hmm. companies, the Medicare uh, service providers, and um, the auditors. So the other thing is what people don't know, if a doctor does something like, let's say that heart attack person, he tells that person with a heart attack, okay, I know that, that three weeks or four weeks of physical therapy is what is typically recommended for you for a heart attack. But I'm telling you, based on your weight, based on your prior history, based on your uh, levels of homocysteine, et cetera, uh, I, I think you need an entirely new diet. I'm going to put you on a vegetarian diet. I'm going to put you on a treadmill. Yes, but I want you to go through this physical therapy where you'll be engaged in various kinds of exercise. And I want you to take supplements. I want you to replenish the nutrients that you're going to use in those exercise sessions. And I also want to give you these homeopathic products. If he does that, what happens to him? What happens to him is that when that's in the chart, uh, the and if there's any complaint whatsoever by anyone, the, the physical therapist who says, oh my goodness, your doctor told you that, contacts the medical board, contacts CMS, says this doctor's a quack, uh, anything like that. Or a competitor finds out about it. Mm -hmm. Or a disgruntled employee wants to hurt the physician. On and on and on then you get audited. You get audited by Medicare. They come in and they scrutinize every single record and every single action. If you gave vitamins, that's not covered by Medicare, but even though it's not covered and even though Medicare was not billed for it, the physician is punished for underutilization of Medicare services and for recommending an unapproved mm. method of care. Now, then if it's not Medicare, let's say he opted out of Medicare or she opted out of Medicare. All right. So then you have the medical board, right? So you get the complaint to the medical board. Well, then they do a, a an investigation. They send in a uh, medical board investigator and they may pose as a patient and they may say they have the same type of condition. And then you start recommending those vitamins and that exercise beyond the, the limits. They look to the Medicare standards for the standard of care. What do they do? They then say you violated the standard of care. Sure, Your yeah. license is now in jeopardy. Okay, this went on in spades under COVID. I mean, we have doctors like Merrill Nass, who, fantastic doctor, fantastic doctor, cared more about her patients than anybody could possibly care. Did everything she could for her patients. They took her license away in Maine because she recommended ivermectin. Ivermectin is an effective treatment against COVID in the early days. There's ample evidence of this, but the administration in Washington was against it. The CDC was against it. Fauci was against it. The medical board decided to go along with that in, in Maine. And so any doctor who dared recommend uh, ivermectin in Maine was opening himself up to being uh, attacked by the medical board. And, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, look, so the doctor's in a pickle. You got a patient you think is going to die if, if that patient doesn't get ivermectin. You know that the, you know, the patient is, uh, got, have, has a, a severe case of COVID, is presenting it at that, and is early in the stages of it, and ivermectin might help them. All right, you recommend ivermectin, but you can't get a pharmacy to prescribe it. 
you, 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 there's some pharmacies that will, but you go to a standard pharmacy with a prescription for ivermectin from the doctor, and they're gonna say the only way you can get that is if you have a parasitic disease, right? Specific kind of parasite. So if the doctor doesn't uh, convey to the pharmacy the falsehood that you have a parasite, that doctor may witness your demise. Okay, that is called uh, an emergency situation. In the law, it is a situation in the common law where a person, for example, who is uh, drowning in, in a lake and there's a piece of wood that floats by and they grab onto it and then it ends up causing them to go to shore and they're coming across your property trespassing in order to get help and they're dehydrated and they break into your basement and they get water. That under the doctrine of necessity in the common law would be excused because they have no choice. Well, does a doctor who wants to save a life really have a choice if someone mm -hmm. in those early days of COVID uh, presented with severe disease? What are they gonna do? Either put you on a ventilator eventually. After killing uh, you with remdesivir with the kidneys. I mean, what are they gonna do? In those early days, if they didn't give you I ivermectin or hy hydroxychloroquine, you got effectively squat. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's that's you would get that in addition to steroids or whatever would be used. But if you didn't get that, you were in big trouble. Jonathan, if we go to the the, the human element of this, when you talked about I would say a doctor that feels safe to do what a doctor would normally do, individualized treatment for each patient. And listen, in fact, and share information with other doctors and learn from each other. You would see that what I'm witnessing now the doctors that have the courage of their convictions are are cooperating, are interacting, not only amongst themselves and their colleagues, but with people outside of their profession. As I mentioned, the homeopaths, the naturopaths, the herbalists, all of that coming together and saying, you know what, what's working, what's not. This is a human endeavor when you're into or concerned about the welfare, the health, the well-being of people that have come to you for help. You look to do what it takes to get them well, save their life if that's the case. Yeah. It's the practice of medicine. It's not perfect medicine. It's the practice. The practice, of exactly. And but the not, best hope for each person mm -hmm. is exactly what you're talking about. As many voices as possible to tell you how best to treat a disease and allow you mm -hmm. to decide for yourself what's in your own best interest. Sure, mm -hmm. we want to prosecute fraud and we want to get rid of fraudsters from the market. But we can do that without licensure. But the argument that we need to get rid of fraud is not a justification for censorship of all information except that which the government deems correct. You have to allow a multiplicity of voices. We need to allow people to be a part of the debate who are not in the medical community. And that is how you advance. And not only that, we need the patient-centric system of medicine restored. It is a free market system where patients and doctors and, and advisors and healthcare providers all talk to one another individually as the patient wishes and discuss what is available and what can be done. Not a situation where you have a government overlord, a bureaucrat who's group thinking and categorizing you as a person of this kind or another kind and, and demanding you get a one size fits all treatment plan. We need every, every single one of us needs individualized care. Yeah. If, the system we have now, is a one-size-fits-all approach to medicine, allopathic medicine. Well, it, 
dropped into a bureaucratic system of one size fits all. Collectivist, which is tantamount to a form of communism, as you know, is socialism. It's not honoring the individual. I, I'm just, I love having this conversation because it's happening in so few places. And to have you in the Senate to be able to talk about these things in this way is quite amazing. And it's funny because, and not funny at the same time, the narrative that the government supports and mandates, if you will, is often brought about by fraud. Isn't that interesting? The very thing that is considered the truth was established fraudulently. Look look at the fraud that uh, Fauci perpetrated on the American people. Exactly. Who professes himself in the most arrogant manner to be science, who says that any view contrary to his view is anti-science, is not Mm -hmm. science. Only my view is science, he says. Well, that is the very definition of dogma, of propaganda. Science is not propaganda. What science is, is a debate. Science at its root is a debate with multiple theories and people contesting indefinitely about what is the best way to deal with a disease. Medical science is a debate, an ongoing debate, and the answers are not here. We don't have an elixir that cures every ailment. We don't have one person's disease being identical to the same symptomatic disease that another person has. You will have various differences because your body will interact with those pathogens differently from Mm -hmm. another person. That's why some one person with exactly the same kind of cancer as another person will go into remission while another person with the very same kind of cancer and the very same treatment profile will die precipitously because their body is incapable of performing in the same way as the yeah, other body responds differently. You brought this up Fauci. Here is not by going a Fauci approach, which would be yeah. saying, okay, this is the chemo regimen. Everybody get it. Everybody use the same thing. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's the art of integrative medicine and the art of intelligent uh, uh, patient-centric care that enables a doctor, a brilliant one, to 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 deal with an extraordinarily complex situation and realize the distinctions mm-hmm. between you and another patient and how best to tailor treatments to help you. That's what's that's what they're killing when they bureaucratize medicine and they're killing people. And that's yeah, what we exactly. saw with the COVID thing. We saw bureaucratized medicine trying to shuffle as many people as possible into the vaccine uh, uh, category. And anybody who dissented from that was suppressed. And was well, they fraudulently denied the successes of many physicians in their clinical practice that had 100% success rates, not using the jabs, not using the uh, remdesivir or vents and succeeding completely, which is unprecedented because normally you don't get 100% success rates. They were seeing that. We were reporting on that. We had doctors on about that. Now, it's Fauci-type medicine. Uh, an article by our friend, Dr. James lyons Weiler, Dr. Jack, PhD, talks about seven facts Fauci knew but hid from the public. This guy is an absolute criminal and should be held to account. He should be serving prison despite his age for all that he's done over many decades. Listen to these seven things that he knew but hid. Fauci understood that the American tax dollars went to EcoHealth Alliance, and that money was then funneled to the Wuhan Institute of Virology Lab in China. Two, Fauci knew EcoHealth Alliance was given an exemption from the pause on gain-of-function research. Three, Fauci knew that the security standards at the uh, WIV lab in China were, were deficient. Number four, Fauci knew that EcoHealth Alliance was not in compliance with its grant reporting requirements and wasn't adhering to the contract. 
Number five, Fauci knew that gain-of-function research was, in fact, being conducted in the uh, Wuhan lab in China. Six, Fauci knew that the standard P3CO interagency review process wasn't followed in approving the grant to Echo Health Alliance. And seven, Fauci knew that the virus literally or likely came from the lab where U.S. taxpayer dollars were sent. The very city where the lab is at, a deadly virus breaks out that would ultimately kill six million people around the world, or as I would argue, the inefficient response to it and or interventions that also contributed to it. But is there anything less than this guy being criminally prosecuted to bring him to justice? He has engaged in the greatest betrayal of the United States in the history of our country. Stunning. Collaborated with an enemy of the United States that directly through a lab that was used for bioweapons, all of the, uh, all of these labs, the Wuhan lab, the, the Beijing lab of, of, were used for the purposes of developing, and many other labs in China, were used for the purpose of developing biological weapons for the PLA. So when he was turning over the means by which the communist Chinese could develop a bioweapon for use against the West, he was acting in complicity with an enemy of the United States, giving them the means, the wherewithal to create a weapon of mass destruction for use against us. And that is indeed what happened. While uh, the Wuhan lab uh, release of the virus appears accidental, they capitalized upon that in precisely the way you would expect a military, uh, militaristic, jingoistic uh, government would, which was while they blocked transfer of people uh, from one province to another so as to prevent spread of the virus, they opened international flights intentionally, allowing individuals who were either carriers or ill to fly all over the world spreading the virus. That was a act of war. That was an act of mass destruction. Fauci was cognizant of this all the way through. At first, in apparently in order to protect himself from the revelation of his direct involvement in the gain of function research, he hid that information from the American people. He downplayed it. He said that, oh, masking is not necessary. Well, he was right there, but he was right there for the wrong reason when he said it. He was trying to convey the impression that this would not amount to anything, that this would not be a big deal. And that was all the while they were developing their narrative. And so mm -hmm. then they'd switch and then they say something ridiculous. Again, as a pablum or an effort to try to calm the fears of the American people about this unknown virus, they say, oh, if you wear one mask or two masks or three masks, that will help you. That was utter nonsense and a lie. There isn't scientific evidence to support that. They claim the contrary. They then told people once they were developing the vaccine and they were developing the vaccine even way back when they were developing the virus in the Wuhan lab. They were working here with those in the in the pharmaceutical community who were working to develop the vaccine for the virus. So they were cognizant of what would happen. So then they developed this vaccine and there are all sorts of problems in the research and in the development, which is not disclosed. Then they're tried to keep it in, hidden for over a hundred years. Jonathan, then they try to keep it, you know, it's on and on and on and on. I got a question about how do you prosecute someone like Fauci? Is it a federal crime? What do, or does the state go after him? Like what, uh, what De DeSantis is doing with impaneling a, a grand jury in Florida. I mean, how is it that you go say, this guy has committed these crimes and this is the right court. This is the right statute, whatever it is to prosecute someone like this. 
Well, on well, the federal level, there are numerous uh, bases for prosecution against Fauci, not least of which is his perjury before Congress, where he absolutely uh, said without equivocation that he was not at all engaged in gain-of-function research when he was. But uh, in addition to that, we have a whole bunch of, of violations of law that are potential. For example, he may have had conflicts of interest that would ordinarily have required that he uh, either resign or that he avoid action on certain issues, which would his very actions were ones that enabled him to, to profit personally. That those conflict of interest issues need to be explored. They would violate potentially federal law. He has also violated the Freedom of Information Act potentially. He is also engaged in complicity with enemies of the United States, perhaps to the point of committing treason, not treason, but but committing a violation of the Espionage Acts uh, in certain respects by supplying information to an enemy of the United States that was undergoing research here in the, uh, uh, based on research here in the United States that would enable that enemy to develop a bioweapon. Um, there is a lot to be explored here. There are a lot of avenues that need to be hunted down to see the extent to which mm -hmm. this man has abused his power and position and whether or not that has transgressed the line into criminal conduct. Uh, and then he would be prosecuted on a host of these things federally. On the state uh, issue, state issues, you know, he affected specific people by censoring them. He went after people. He abused his uh, power of his office, potentially violating Section 1983 by engaging in civil rights violations. When he worked in conjunction with the head of CDC to censor scientists and, and deny them the opportunity to publish or to deny them, you know, to ostracize them or cause the media to defame them, um, all of those things were designed for character assassination and were designed against people um, based on their affiliations and beliefs. Um, and it may be that his First Amendment violations need to be actionable against him, and potentially there would be actions, causes of actions that those who are affected could bring against him for the use of, abuse of his official power to affect those acts of censorship. Um, anyway, this is difficult. That would be more yeah. difficult than the federal actions. So I, I appreciate your insight, though, because I, I, I don't know, and, and I know that many people in this audience would love to see him held to account for what we perceive to be highly illegal activities, if not illegal, immoral or amoral. Uh, well, in fact, we're, what we're going to see from, uh, we're told from the Republican House and where I'm waiting to see it, the subpoenas yeah. that will require him to divulge the sources of money that he received from outside sources under patents and so forth. And we're also going to see the full correspondence eventually, or at least as much of it as not, has not been destroyed. Um, and then uh, we'll be able to see, you know, there'll be interrogations performed with people who interacted with him that will enable us to get a, bit, a better picture and we'll be seeing more about EcoHealth and we'll be seeing more about uh, uh, um, Barrick at the University of North Carolina to, to discern the whole, what, what actually happened here. And mm -hmm. if they do that, I think invariably we're going to see the story of a man who clawed his way to the top of NIAID uh, and left a lot of bodies uh, behind. and who used his, his influence over grants to affect uh, relationships that would benefit himself and um, his priorities as well, opposed I, to an independent assessment of the merits of that. I, um, I would argue, knowing what I do of his history, that he uh, 
basically, you want to talk about attacked science itself, destroyed opportunities for us to learn so much about the human immune system, uh, uh, bacteriology, uh, uh, virology even, because of the direction he granted only certain things that would justify uh, certain key belief systems that were beneficial to those that had captured government and government agencies. I mean, I'd like to see the mRNA um, platform that they used for the virus. It was thoroughly discredited at the time that they used the platform. It had already been assessed numerous times by government agencies and had been determined to be carcinogenic and to be uh, a danger to human life. And yet that became the platform. They, there isn't evidence that they altered the platform fundamentally to prevent the harms that were associated with it initially. How is it that Fauci and others were so willingly supporting that when the government itself had taken action against it? All of this stuff raises profound questions. Yeah. Their complicity with the, the manufacturers of the virus in the development of the virus years before, um, uh, you know, we, we see this roughly coincidental with the the research being begun in Wuhan, we see efforts at, at developing a virus, a vaccine for the virus. I mean, it's so obviously a man-made thing. There's He made numerous statements about, and even recently, about this having animal origins. The fact is there isn't any science to support an, or, uh, an animal origin theory, and he knows that. Okay. Having said that, made numerous public statements to that effect. What was he covering up? What was and and no doubt it's that his he, he had full awareness of the gain of function research and the fact that this would uh, potentially result in harm. I mean, he had these interviews before um, he it, you know in the early days before the virus had actually uh, come to fruition in, in internet in the international community, where he said when when he was asked. That about gain-of-function research. He was asked directly about gain-of-function research, federal government support of it, and he said that um, it was better to have scientific research continue than uh, to discontinue it based on the risk of a pandemic. Yeah, and he even predicted that under the Trump administration there would be such a, a pandemic. Jonathan E. Mord, thank you as always for your insight and your candor, and folks, if you haven't considered it, you probably will now supporting Jonathan E. Mord in his, I hope, eventual run for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine. He's got the uh, exploratory committee still running. Please uh, donate what you can. E. Mord for Virginia. That's E. Mord for F-O-R-V-A dot com. And check out those events. I hope to attend as many as possible to be with you, Jonathan, at them and, and gain the real function of America again, restoring its constitution and making sure those in government abide by it. Thank you, my friend. Yes, sir, Robert. I'll All be right. talking. Good to see you. We got a whole other hour of broadcast healing coming up, including uh, James Rogoski. And uh, we're going to talk about, well, the international treaties, the World Health Organization, its desire to have governing control over the sovereignty or what's left of it, the United States, should they declare another pandemic, scamdemic, whatever. And will it even take an act of the Senate to ratify it? Or is there another way they can sneak it through? James says there is. We want to put everybody on notice and have you put your Congress critters and senators on notice as well. Stand by for that and a whole lot more. We've got some more announcements of upcoming events, special deals and offers for those of you who want to get well and stay well. That's coming up. I'm still standing here on the Robert Scab Bell Show. Super Don is in, uh, in well, in the studio, making it sound so good. So stand by. we got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scab Bell Show because the power to heal is yours.
Okay, we, we, we got James Rogowski coming up uh, this hour. We're going to talk about some international uh, treaties that already exist that might bind the United States government and the government at the federal level to block the states from even uh, refusing to cooperate uh, during scamdemics that the states and the people clearly see are scamdemics. That is coming up with James in a moment. Uh, as we open up hour two here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, remember you can sign up for our newsletter by coming on over to robertscabell.com or you can just text my initials RSB to 22828. If you're not driving, pull out your phone right now and go to your text field, enter the number 22828. And then in the subject, or not subject, or the message, you just got RSB, my initials for Robert Scott Bell. You'll immediately be uh, responded to and just ask to enter your email address and you'll be plugged in. And Super Don, as busy as he is, finally got a newsletter out today. He's been all over the place. Yesterday, uh, another episode of uh, Shemaine Nugent's, Ted Nugent's wife's show he's producing. And uh, Super Don, you know, I got to hang out just ever so briefly with our dear friend, Darla Shine, when I was in Sarasota. Uh, oh, you didn't tell me about that yet. <laughs> it was so fast. I mean, look, we were planning to have a wonderful, lovely meal together. And she brought one of her friends who's also a, a doctor. She's a wonderful integrated physician. I've known it from many medical conferences. And uh, my son was there with me. We sat down. We were going to have a nice meal together. And we found an organic farm-to-table restaurant in Sarasota. I think it's called Organic Farmer's Table, owned by a mom and, and her, her daughter. And her parents are from Italy. And I think the mom is from Italy. So they're authentic Italian doing organic farm-to-table. Delicious. But as we're chatting and just having a nice time catching up, the, the physician woman got a call from her daughter. And it was an emergency that came up. And... Darla had driven her, so Darla had to go too. So it was like way oh. shorter than I had thought. Bummer. Was, yeah. If, if Darla's out there, and it's funny because I was teasing <laughs> Darla as we were talking about different topics. And and you know, Darla Shine, her her husband Bill Shine used to work with Fox News, was even an advisor in the communications arena at the White House initially when Trump became president. Uh, you know, I was just uh, teasing her about things as you know, she was asking questions like, well, you would know that if you listened to the Robert Scott Bell show. <laughs> so her excuse was, and it was a good one. It's like, well, my, my daughter's show is on at the same time as yours. I said, like, Oh, what am I going to, how am I going to come back with that? But she still says, well, I still do listen to your show. I just can't do it every day. I'm like, okay, Darla, yeah. but she's such a love. Her daughter has a, a show. Apparently I didn't know anything I had about no it. Idea. And, yeah. and I didn't get a chance to ask her about it because they had to dart off because of that emergency. Hmm. But God bless Darla. She's just a golden heart and she's uh she's wonderful. I'm glad she got to meet my son and my son met her. And uh, we had a, a nice visit. And then our, some of our friends from Natural Immunogenics, Seth and, and Jesse, and uh, their mom, uh, you know, who survived Stephen Quinto's uh, passing last year, which I eulogized at the, at the uh, memorial service last year, um, was there as well. And it was just a nice reunion. But I just wanted, and of course, Darla sends her love to you, Super Don. She, she appreciates yes. you still. Yeah. So I, that was. Uh, nice. Yeah. Had fun working with her back in the day. Yeah, no, she was one of the good ones. You know, uh, you can work with divas, and and as much as she is the happy housewife, she she's a real person. <laughs> she's a nice, personable, you know, like she's yep. a human being, which is great. And so we appreciate her. And in fact, she said she wants to come on the show. And I told, I think I told you that, and you're like, yeah, mm -hmm. sure, sure, right. She promises, does. promises, promises. Yes. So Darla, if you're listening, we want you on the show. You just say when, and you're on. Heck uh, yeah. So let's see what other announcements we got. Uh, just want to shout out to Baybree at Folium PX. I just got to remind y'all, if you haven't checked out like our first show of the new year, uh, we talked about this. My mom, who has been uh, 
suffering a bit in the last couple of years. And again, not necessarily COVID related. She's 88, going to be 89 this month. And she always loved to go out dancing. And then the last couple of years, she hadn't been able to. And she got on the Folium PX after the Cardio Miracle as well. And she went dancing on New Year's Day, celebrating uh, her friend's birthday. Uh, so this is significant. Folium PX, antioxidants at the level of Chernobyl response. F-O-L-I-U-M-P-X.com. 10% off with the code RSB10. Please take advantage of that. Support a great guy doing amazing work. Valid scientific studies showing how powerful this antioxidant is for daily use. And he's got a three-pronged approach. Check it out. Go to foliumpx.com. Also, again, uh, Trinity School of Natural Health. Every month, new classes starting up. We have the trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. You check that out, 30 bucks. It's the virtual expo in February coming up 18th and 19th. Jonathan Emord's part of that. I am, and many of our friends are there. And for 30 bucks, you can have three months of access to everything and more. Just amazing. Just amazing. Nutritional Frontiers continues to do dy dynamic work. Super Don, in the upcoming events tab, we have a big-time announcement about an upcoming healing retreat. And that's uh, in the end of March 31st and April 1st and 2nd, a mind-body-soul restoration event sponsored by our friends at Nutritional Frontiers. I'll be there at Clearwater Beach. And that's going to be extraordinary at the tail end of winter, or it might still be really cold and snowy for some of us. So we'd love to be in clear water with all y'all that can be there for that event. Just prior to that, of course, the Next Steps conference coming up outside of Atlanta, Buford, uh, Lake Lanier Islands, next-steps.info. And you can get 10% off tickets with the code RSB10. Thanks to Tia Severino. I don't have time to go into all the people that are going to be with us at that one, but th there's some amazing events coming up, folks. And amazing then next week. Events. Yeah. Next week, yeah, going to be Reawaken in Nashville, America. Tennessee. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing some friends, interviewing some new folks that have not yet been on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, we will have access to a lot of good folks. It should be an interesting weekend, and uh, we plan to have good access or some recording capability at that event. So that's coming up as well. So, again, stand by, check in. And, by the way, you do, we didn't get to cover this, Super Don, but the question of the day, I saw the poll question of the day, relates to uh, Biden's, unfortunate discovery or somebody <laughs> it keeps getting better too because you know initially what happened was they found some classified documents in some office somewhere that he had had uh when he was vice president yeah uh and it was like oh there was like oh it's just 10 there's just 10 there no big deal whatever then they found another set uh in, in another place and they're yeah. like well okay but it was just a few so the latest one is now they found him at his house and I haven't got that. I just got an alert, uh, a Twitter alert, just a few minutes mm -hmm. ago. Apparently, Peter Ducey uh, is yeah. doing an, a, uh, is being asking questions of the president directly. Mm -hmm. And it appears that apparently some classified documents were in Biden's garage next to his Corvette. Uh, <laughs> and Ducey is asking him questions about that stuff. So were, I guess we'll absolutely we'll approved and secure. A hundred percent. Well, apparently Biden says, well, it was a locked garage. It's not yes, like it was in the street, but, uh, in any case, yeah. So today's poll question asked, do you think that, uh, Biden is going to be treated the same way that Trump was over mm -hmm. having classified documents at home? Right. Wow. Yeah. Also breaking news. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley apparently had a cardiac arrest rushed to the hospital. She's 54. Did you know she was 54? She's your age. She's my age. I did not know that. Yeah. Again, is no. it hopefully not a died suddenly, but uh, it's not. Apparently she's in the hospital. I've, I've been keeping tabs on it. She okay. uh, did get CPR at home yeah. and then was rushed to the hospital. So 
Well, all y'all want to prevent died suddenly. I'm highly recommending Cardio Miracle. Use the code RSB to get the greatest discounts. Cardio Miracle for sustained nitric oxide production and so much more. Uh, the Sovereign Copper, very critical. Selenium, very critical. There are so many ways to prevent this and help heal tissue. And a lot of that, you know, Judy Mikovits, Tracy Straup, they were talking about ways to remedy this last week before we went to, to Florida. It was great to see uh, Judy at that event as well. And real quickly, before we bring uh, James Roguski on for the, I believe the first time, he'll confirm that we, you know, we're climbing the guest chart so fast now it's hard to keep up. We're closing in on 1700 guests almost uh, exclusive. This uh, Defender article says um, hundreds of Tylenol lawsuits allege retailers, manufacturers knew acetaminophen during pregnancy could cause autism and ADHD. Hundreds of Tylenol lawsuits already have been filed against retailers and manufacturers of acetaminophen, but that number could soon reach into thousands, according to an attorney who spoke to the defender. Now, Superdon, my immediate reaction to this is, why are the doctors off the hook for recommending Tylenol? How, how many doctors say, yeah, yeah, if you got some pain and discomfort during pregnancy, go ahead and take Tylenol. And then their excuse would be, well, the manufacturer never said it would do that. No. But anybody who knows you know, this show, ever since I opened up the microphone in 1999, this is our 24th year broadcast healing. I've been talking about the dangers of Tylenol from the first time I, I started speaking on radio. It's not that it wasn't known. It's that doctors put on pharmaceutical horse blinders and they refuse to acknowledge what we know, even in the scientific literature, much less the manufacturers and distributors know that anything that destroys the liver as significantly and immediately as acetaminophen, paracetamol, Tylenol, should not be given to women who are pregnant, nor children, nor I would argue anybody. But in the meantime, our FDA thinks homeopathy has to be banned. Isn't that astonishing? The number one reason that people check into the hospitals in the United States for acute liver failure is not a homeopathic Tylenol. remedy. It's Tylenol. Yep. Yeah. So what am I to say? I don't want the doctors to be off the hook either. Y'all should do better. Just saying. Now, there's a Substack I want you to subscribe to if you haven't already. It's uh, James Roguski, and uh, it's spelled R-O-G-U-S-K-I.substack.com. And there's an open letter we're going to talk about right now to the United States Congress. The details of the secret negotiations between the World Health Organization and the United States delegates to the WHO must be investigated and made public immediately. Why? James is here to tell us. James, welcome to the Robert Chappell Show. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, good to have you on, my friend. Now, you got some antique furniture behind you. I'm always intrigued by the setting. That's not a green um, screen. Three that's not a green screen. Um, in, in a former life, um, earlier, uh, before I fell down the WHO rabbit hole, um, mm. I, I rescued and repaired and restored uh, furniture. And so these are keepers behind me. But um, uh, that's, a, that's a real home. Yeah, that's a real home. And just to be clear, I'm not a globalist. Those are globes yeah. because my girlfriend Marissa. <laughs> it's our 22nd anniversary today. She collects globes. Um, don't read anything into that. It's just decor. Happy anniversary, and I'm glad they're not flats. Instead, they're globes. <laughs> so uh, appreciate you and all you're doing here. And again, coming back from your background in in restoring and saving old furniture, antiques. How do you find yourself exploring WHO treaties that would usurp what's left of U.S. sovereignty? Um, I don't know how much time we have, um, but I'll, I'm going to keep the issue about me very, very short. Um, 26 or so years ago, I moved out to California and I ended up managing and being the buyer for a mom and pop urban nutrition homeopathy flower essence store. And so I 
I've been in the same rabbit hole as you. I can't believe we haven't crossed paths before. That's, that's um, embarrassing. I'm just uh, sorry that it hasn't happened sooner. Okay. Um, a dozen or so years ago, I wrote a book called Your Doctor is a Liar. I've always given it away. You can go to yourdoctorisaliar.com and just take it down and read it. Uh, it's truer now than it ever was. And any, um, any pharmaceutical medication, whether it's prescription or um, over-the-counter, or um, something that you might put over here, um, if somebody courses you to do so, those no. are just those are just customer acquisition tools. You take mm -hmm. healthy people, you spin a nice little story to you know confuse them, and you convince them to swallow poison. You've just created a new customer for what I call the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex. Uh, I think we're on the same page. Nice to meet you. Um, yes. Let's talk about the WHO. Um, oh, wait, no, we have time, by the way. I don't, I don't want you to panic because I know sometimes you get these interviews and they're rushed. This is a long form type interview, so we're not going to be rushed. And I am interested in the human story behind what brings you today. So I don't mind if you don't mind going a little back. What You said it was back in California, the store that you were connected with. What city was that? Um, well, I currently live in Glendale and uh, I, I grew up in Ohio, moved to Rhode Island, came out here in 96. And um, boy, you would have thought, you know, back then California was the place to be for alternative mm -hmm. health. Yeah. And my goodness, where did they all go? I guess they all went to Texas and Florida, but, you know, I'm still here. And so um, what happened was uh, because of my awareness of all of the things that I think you and your audience are aware, mm -hmm. uh, come January 2020, I was like, oh, this is not what they're saying on the news. Not that I listen to the news, but yeah, I, I was aware and I had up to six websites dedicated to all the craziness that you know you weren't allowed to talk about. And on January 21st of 2022, well, it's all a blur now, um, the um, FDA authorized, not, you know, not approved, but authorized the... Um, injectable inter intravenous use of remdesivir, or I should say rundethisnir, yes. uh, for infants on an outpatient basis. And I gotta admit, I went ballistic. And, and so I uh, wrote an article about it, and a couple of days later, um, I found out that I got an email from my hosting provider, and mm. uh, a decade plus worth of you know putting stuff up on the internet was just presto, gone. Oh, how interesting! And, you 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 were over that target, and I think yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's how you know you're over the target. They shoot yeah. you down. And I think remdesivir is is like I mentioned a story opening here about Tylenol and its impact on the liver. I heard. Yep. Remdesivir is like what Tylenol does to the liver on steroids to the kidneys. Exactly. Exactly, and other body parts. And so, yeah. um, I uh, am actually kind of happy with myself because I realized that you know when one door closes, another one opens up, and Shortly thereafter, um, I opened up an account on Substack because it seemed, at least, you know, Knockwood, say my prayers, uh, yes. they're letting people say the truth, speak the truth. And so um, I probably should have been there a long time prior, but that was the kick in the butt that I needed to um, do a blog. And so, um, you know, it's a blog and a newsletter. And so uh, I started out, um, but my first couple of articles were about Remdesivir or Run Death is Near. And uh, got into some very, very interesting, oh, it's way, way, way down on, on the archives. But mm -hmm. to talk about the who, because this is the, the topic of the day, uh, I researched, um, first off, I spent a month digging into, and I want to make sure everybody is aware 
that what I'm about to say is not what we're going to be talking about. There's two separate things that everybody gets confused. Mm -hmm. If anybody says the word treaty, that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I'm going to talk about it a little bit, and then we're going to move on. Back in 2020, November of 2020, the European Union started pushing for a pandemic treaty. And in November, December of 2021, the World Health Organization said, yes, we want to have a pandemic treaty. And so they started the process of negotiating this treaty. And for months, everybody who's got money was putting together organizations to put forth proposed pandemic treaty ideas. Okay. And so all through the beginning of um, uh, 2022, people were talking about the pandemic treaty but it did not exist, it was just an idea, right? And so I wrote a big article um, on March 24th, I published it, and I kept digging. Uh, on, the, on the day after the 24th, I published the People's Treaty. So uh, go to thepeoplestreaty.com, that'll just take you to an article that I wrote on my Substack back in uh, March. These are just the fundamental human rights that everyone seems to have forgotten. Okay, um, unalienable means they're yours forever until you're tricked into allowing someone to take them away. And so, go to the People's Treaty and see what you you, you you once you read them, you'll know that these things are rights that you have. But somehow, everybody's just giving them up. And I kept kept digging, and two days later, three days later, I find a document that's totally different. And it wasn't about the treaty, which didn't exist. It was uh, proposed amendments that the Biden administration had submitted two months and a couple of weeks prior. They had submitted on January 18th, 2022, uh, amendments to 13 in the international health regulations. And I go, oh, well, you know, here's another door opening up. What the heck is in here? And um, try to fast forward, long story short, uh, they tried to sneak them through last year. Well, they're back at it again, but they've got other people working on this. And what they did in May was they kicked the Biden administration's amendments to the curb and set up a, a, a system by which all of the member nations, 194 member nations were invited to submit proposed amendments to an existing international agreement that we've already signed on to, and that's important. It's not a treaty that might be. So we're mm -hmm. going to stop talking about the treaty. Anybody says treaty from now on, that's not what we're talking about. These are amendments to the International Health Regulations, which is an 84-page document. Only about 58 pages of it are actually the regulations. It's improperly named. You won't find any of your natural products or homeopathy or nutrition or doctors or anything involved with it. Mm -hmm. They really should be called the International Surveillance Monitoring uh, Compliance uh, Emergency Reporting Fear Mongering Regulations mm -hmm. because that's what they are all about. There's no talk, I, I no talk about anything about, else. Sure. About the so-called health regulations that already exist and you were talking about modifying them. Those have to be put into force somehow. Were they put into force by legislation or a treaty that precedes 
the treaty that they'd like to have, the pandemic one, which we're not talking about now. They actually go back 150 years. They were originally sanitary regulations. And I'm going to guess, and I will just assume that you know all about the fact that sanitation is what cleared up a lot of infectious diseases. Correct. And, and so by the time the WHO was created in the 40s, they rolled all of those sanitary regulations in and put them under you know, world health because that was how people were becoming healthier. In 1969, they changed the name to the International Health Regulations. In 2005 slash 2007, they did a major um, bunch of amendments to it. Then on July 18th, 20, 2007, the United States um, said, yeah, okay, we agreed to them. We got a couple of reservations. It's, it's long-standing existing agreement, okay? And so um, the agreed upon document has built into the agreement how you would amend it. And so if a simple majority of the 194 member nations agree, then it is adopted. There's no presidential signature required. There's no advice and consent of the uh, Senate. There's no referendum because we don't do those things in the United States because we're not a democracy, we're a republic. And so, bada bing, bada boom, the rules have changed. Okay. Well, and, and this so, this precludes again the distinction here we're making. This is not about a new pandemic treaty. Correct. This is about some guidelines and guidance that have been in effect since, well, a long time before that. That they want to modify via a simple majority vote internationally that would be binding on the United States. It's still I find it problematic that uh, you know the United States can enter into any agreement that would violate particular you know provisions within its own constitution i think there would be pushback but still it would be a very sneaky thing if they could succeed at this and probably anybody from the united states participating may not even realize the gravity of it or maybe they're part of the minions and, and bad guys that want to see this happen you have jumped right to what is normally the end of the conversation so i'm going to take this opportunity to go there okay, okay. thank you um yes. in the reservations that i just mentioned when the united states um, agreed to the changes back in 2007, they know exactly what you just said, right? Now, I'm going to guess that you have not pulled out and downloaded the 84-page International Health Regulations and gone to Appendix 2, page 60 and 61, oh, and read yeah. what you just said, but you just said it, okay? The U.S. said when they agreed, and I'm going to be paraphrasing in my own words, well, sorry, WHO, but you know we'll agree to this, but you got to realize we're a federal government and we can't do this. We don't have the authority to do this. We'll do everything we can to convince the states to go along with this, but it's really up to them, okay? And so you've already sounded the wake-up call that's usually, you know, people are like, what do we do? Um, the individual states need to realize that the federal government silently and quietly is getting themselves you know, into this situation, they have gotten themselves into the situation, that each individual human being and each individual state has to go, wait a minute, no, okay? Um, and so you've nailed it right out of the gate. There's all kinds of things that we can talk about, but what it comes down to is understanding that you have rights, states have rights that the federal government doesn't have, but only as long as you understand that you have those rights and you stand up and protect them. And so that's where we are. They're trying to sneak this through. 
the genie's out of the bottle, the cat's out of the bag, whatever you want to call it. Um, what this is right now, and thank you for having me on because you know your audience now is you know I've I've created a conundrum for you. All right, um, the WHO wants to keep these things silent. Mm -hmm. I've let I let the cat out of the bag on December sixteenth when I first you know reported on this, and so everyone listening to this has a choice, right? Keep it silent. Go, you know, go have another cup of coffee or beer and sit back down and listen to the next show, um, and don't do anything, or or take this link to whatever it is you're watching and listening to, and spread it all over the world because it's not just the United States; it's the whole world that they're trying to take over. When you get into the details of it, we could go on for days. I'll give you the soundbite. Right, the delegation from India submitted proposed amendments to change Article 3 of the International Health Regulations. Now, a year ago, I had no idea. Mm. I didn't, I, you know, nobody listening to this has a copy of the IHR on their coffee table like I do and look through it every day to see what the hell is going on here. Um, so when I first read it and I got to Article 3, it said that the guiding principle of the International Health Regulations, you know, currently, is that they must, uh, it says they shall, which means must be implemented with full respect for the dignity, fundamental, uh, I'm sorry, dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. And so I was like, that sounds good. I'm okay with that, right? Well, the Indian delegation would just cross that out and change the guiding principle of the entire set of words in this document. They would cross out with a full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. And I have to admit, my jaw dropped open. I, I kind of had an out-of-body experience, and I'm looking at myself going, did I actually really read that? And, and so I'm an optimist, and so I looked at it, and I said, oh, that's a blessing. That is so egregiously, horribly, unbelievably bad. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for the soundbite. Okay. Now there's a top 10 that is in the letter. You mentioned the open letter to um, the uh, U.S. Congress. Um, now this is just meant to give notice to everyone in Congress that we the people know what the WHO is up to. And we are going to know this before Congress has a freaking clue, right? But it is our responsibility if we want our public servants in Congress to do, you know, what we want to represent us, we have an obligation to communicate with them and go, hey, you need to pay attention to this. You need to read these documents. You need to speak out against them. I need to know what your position is on these issues. Are you for wiping no, out? Here's okay. the, the open letter on your uh, Substack. We have it linked right. up in the there's, show notes. There's there's a couple of templates, and yeah. let me let me take you the easy route. Go all the way okay. up to the top, and um, just down below there a little bit. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a big old link that says "Click here to take immediate action." Okay. Um, I've set it up. If you click that red button, um, people can. Now. There's okay. a pre-written letter. We won't fill in all your personal private information. We're, we're done with this right now. We can go back. Um, I've set it up so that you can, with the click of a thing and type in some basic information, you can send an email to all 535 members of Congress, 435 in the House and 100 in the Senate. And the purpose of this is not to think that they're going to read an email 
and they're going to um, suddenly, you know, have some, you know, change of heart with what they're doing. What we're dealing with here, and I've got ample evidence for it, is um, many of the people in Congress are globalists, e either party, you know, rhinos in the Republican yeah. Party, Democrats, whatever. This is to put them on notice, hey, we know what's going on. The cat has been left out of the bag and we're not putting up with it. You now have received the official information. These are links to the WHO's documents. I don't make stuff up. All I do is go dig on their website, find all the good juicy things that they're trying to do to us and, and just say, hey, um, look at what they said. Look at what they're doing. Read their documents. It'll it'll be a great sedative. You're going to have um, poor sales on your nighttime sleep products because anybody who downloads these documents and and reads them before they go to sleep, they're going to be out. They're not going to need any melatonin or valerian or anything else. Okay. I'm right to sleep. <laughs> okay. And 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 so believe me, because that happened to me for weeks on end. Um, if you could pull back up the Substack, I said I spent my Christmas holidays. Um, make it a little movie, really. It's really just an audio version. Go back up to where you can get um, back to my Substack and all the way up to the top and click on uh, my name and you should get the archive. Uh, a couple of, like a week ago, I did the 100 reasons why we should oppose this. Oppose the treaty, stop the treaty, stop the amendments, exit the who, okay? Uh, it's a video that I did over the holidays. Uh, there's probably more reasons, but 100 seemed like a good round number. Um, the first 10 are about the treaty, and the remaining 90 um, are about um, all, all this sort of thing. And and so um, get a get some popcorn, have a beer, whatever you drink, um, have a smoothie. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you do. Um, <laughs> just listen to it, and you'll have an overview because what I've done is translate their legalese jargon words that have different meanings, even though they're English, you think you know what they're saying, but that's not really what they mean. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I've translated it into English. I've already had people translated into Dutch and Spanish and everything else, um, so forth and so on. Um, just be aware of what they're doing. Okay. We need to let as many people as possible know what they're doing. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little story. Um, have you ever had a, a party and there's some food on the coffee table, but the, the, there's a pet in the house, you know, you've got a dog and he's eyeballing, you know, I don't know, the last piece of pizza or whatever you got on the thing. Mm. If you make eye contact with them, he's like, ah, oh, crap. You know? I've been caught. Yeah. They're, they're trying to get us to let them have control of us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if we're asleep at the wheel and we're not paying attention and okay. this all goes through, it's like. What, what they were hoping, in my estimation, is they submit these proposed amendments, which are an abomination, okay? And they would be adopted by the majority because what they're doing now is they're wheeling and dealing with all of the countries. Well, you know, if you vote yes, we'll do this, you know, we'll give you that, we'll give you this other thing. Because they have a $10 billion fund that they want to grow to $60 billion to essentially, you know, build the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex all around the world. But you got to realize that each individual nation gets one vote. So China and India with a billion and a half people get one vote. Your tiny little islands in the Caribbean and you know Polynesia, they all get one vote. So the influence peddling of, hey, you know, vote for this. We'll take care of you, right? Um, nobody's asking the people, 
I'm going to ask you an unfair question. Okay. I don't mean to bust your chops, but mm -hmm. does anybody in the audience know who their delegates to the WHO are? Probably not. Probably not. Nobody mm -hmm. around the world does. Okay. I actually did a FOIA request of the Health and Human Services Department specifically. Can you tell me who our delegates are? Now, I know who they are. I just wanted to see what they wanted, what were going to say. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't keep that information. And I'm like, and, wow. and if they get away with it, they'll single handedly destroy any, any last shreds of freedom we have to say no to, you know, a next scamdemic and the things they want to do to us when they declare it. And, as and much so, as anything would violate our freedom. Um, in, in the letter, you don't have to go grab the letter. We can just talk about it. There's, um, I boiled down the hundred to the top 10. Okay. And, um, the soundbite is really the number one. We already talked about it. Um, when you start off a document saying, well, we're just going to scratch out your, you know, respect for your dignity, your human rights and your fundamental freedoms. Um, do we really need to continue this conversation? And, and to use an analogy, uh, if, if you knew someone who was in an abusive relationship and their, their partner in the relationship said, well, you know, let's reach this agreement where I don't have to respect your dignity, your human rights, or your fundamental freedoms. And you're just silent. And there's a, there's a whole concept of, you know, silence is consent. Right now is not the time to be silent. Now is the time to say, are you out of your mind? No, the answer is no. And what would you, what would you advise that person to do? Would you advise to stay with their abuser? Would you advise them to have their abuser get, you know, mental health therapy? Would you advise them to try to change the mind of that person? Or would you say, get out of there as fast as you possibly can? Right. And so ultimately, um, this comes down to the WHO is hell-bent on controlling the world. And, you know, possibly um, people and organizations behind the WHO are, are realizing that that legal structure is a way to give a pseudo, um, you know, legal authority so mm -hmm. that, you know, whoever the puppeteer is, I'm not saying I know, but mm -hmm. you look at it and you go, well, um, that's not what the people want. Nobody's asking the people. Nobody asked my opinion about whether or not these amendments are something that I want. Well, they're here in my opinion anyways. The answer is no. And until millions and quite frankly, billions of people around the planet um, say, look, um, your actions to try to take away our fundamental rights and control health and medicine and treatment and whether or not we can travel and you want to surveil us and, and track and trace and forced injections and forced medications. Um, what is wrong with you? Okay. I, I don't think that the WHO can be rehabilitated. They need to be disassembled. And I do that all the time. Um, you know, I, you asked me about the furniture. Um, you know, sometimes we get an abandoned piece of furniture and you just go, ah, I see why they abandoned it. You know, yeah. it's just not worth it. And, and sometimes it could be fixed, but the WHO is just no, too far no, gone. It's too Ma far gone. Any of these oligarchical institutions within our own nation are also beyond repair, I believe, and should be dismantled and removed. One of the reasons why, and you might have caught the tail end of my first hour, this 
stay. I did. And I did. I don't yeah. know yet, Jonathan Emord. In mm -hmm. fact, we're, we're coming to Glendale. You mentioned Glendale. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. And I, want, I want to see you there. I just linked it in the little chat we have it, you know, on Restream here. If you'll click that link, and I'll tell everybody where it's happening. And we mentioned it. This is going to be the 18th of February, a Saturday event, wow. 7 p.m. in Glendale, California, to support Jonathan Emord to declare for the Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine. And he is with us 100% on these issues. Including if, these treaties and non-treaties. Since, since you brought it up, um, I published an article uh, months ago, um, a, a takeoff. I, I blatantly um, uh, borrowed borrowed from mm -hmm. the uh, Declaration of Independence. You can go to declarationofdemands.com. And um, this was months ago, you know, prior to the midterm elections. I would love to talk to him about uh, this being, uh, you know, a discussion, it, it really boils down to um, what is it that we, the people, decide we want our representatives to do for us, okay? And the uh, experience that I had back in May was mm -hmm. um, people would send emails or whatever, you know, phone calls to their congresspeople, and there was a clear um, exhibition of a lack of awareness, a lack of understanding. But that lack of understanding didn't stop them from condescending down upon their constituents, who quite mm -hmm. frankly, were better informed than the Congress people, right? Sure, very common. And, and so yeah. then what happened was the uh, people would persist because they would get an answer that they just would look at and you go, you didn't answer my questions. And they would follow up. And then what, what we observed came down was a very formulaic letter, not a form letter, but you could see how the bits and pieces of the words were put together in different ways. And it was clear, and you know, this is not, not new and everybody knows this, but we actually were experiencing it. P the constituency would say to their representative, this is what I want. And the, the office or the staff or the congressperson would condescend down, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and then they would push back again. And, and then you could see they kind of panicked and they would go to leadership and say, what do we tell them? And so they all got this formula letter back, mm -hmm. right? And what we learned from that was actually that these amendments that I earlier referred to as the Biden amendments from last year actually started with rhinos in the Trump administration and they were proud of it and they were supportive of these amendments, supportive mm -hmm. of handing over sovereignty and freedoms and so forth. And you know, a lot of people had their heads explode yeah. because they were like, well, wait a minute, I thought it was Biden's amendments. It's right. like, hey, we don't have two parties. We have globalist traders and we have nationalist patriots. Very few comparatively right now in, in uh, Congress. And I would, if you're able to attend that event, and I am, I will personally introduce you to my good friend. Oh, Jonathan. look forward to it. I'll be, and, I will be there. Absolutely. Yeah, and he will engage with you on this, no doubt, because this is a, an alignment. We are not supporting globalists here. Uh, in fact, if, if they are on this show, they get our derision and with great intellectual integrity, not ad hominem attack. And so please uh, realize behind me, okay, yes. we, we are globe collectors, not mm -hmm. globalists. 
Yes. I, <laughs> I got that immediately. And I appreciate <laughs> your, your talents in uh, restoring, you know, the beautiful antique furniture and your talents of investigating something that very few people are investigating to bring to our attention. So uh, James Rogoski, uh, I'm just honored to connect with you finally and appreciate you as a brother on this journey. You and know, and, and the, the metaphor, the task at hand mm -hmm. is, um, you know, the constitution is worth saving. Okay, yes. it's, it's not a teardown. Um, we really probably should start a repeal party to scrape off all of the layers of crud that have been added to what is a beautiful foundation. Um, mm -hmm. It's time to rehabilitate all of the junk that's been placed on top of it um, and go back to where it all started. Much goodness in the foundation, um, but we've let it rot and we need to fix it. Amen. Well, listen, if you have updates along the way, please feel free to reach out. You know, you Absolutely. got them here in media. Uh, this is what we like to do and like to cover the things that very few others do. And as much as we're, we're well aware of these uh, attempts and agendas, we don't have access to every detail. So if oh, you yeah. up with these things, please let us know so we can share them like we have today. I want to I do one last thing, and it freaks out some people. But um, all over my website and on every interview I do, I'm so very serious about this. Um, everybody get out a piece of paper and something to write with. My phone number is 310-619-3055. I just doxed myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm that serious about this. If you're serious about it too, go to the Substack. You know, read the letter to Congress, watch the 100, you know, reasons um, and call me. We we have a lot of work to do. And I'm very serious about helping everyone around the world organize doing that work. I thank you for the opportunity to share this with your audience. James, it's so great to connect with you. Finally, thank you for all that you're doing. We'll stay <laughs> in you. touch. Thank right. you. And we'll see you in uh, in Glendale at the event for Jonathan E. Mord in February the 18th. That would be amazing if we could do that. So. Stand by for a lot more of that to come. And, um, you know, this is not just something that is entertaining because when you when you cover a subject like that with James, you're like, was I entertained by that? Uh, I'm a little, I don't know, I'm a little concerned. Well, there's a lot to be concerned about, but to bring this to your attention is not to uh, put you in a state of victimhood. It's a state of uh, awareness so that you can act accordingly to prevent something from happening that doesn't need to happen unless you do nothing, which is, again, another, another of James' points. So, uh, check that out. And we have all the links. We added some additional ones during the interview there and appreciate him very much for that. Uh, there is a bit of uh, good news in the midst of this. Uh, let's see if we could find this. The Pentagon apparently has formally rescinded the COVID-19 jab mandate for troops. The mandate has uh, drawn pushback from Republicans and lawsuits since it was instituted in August of 2021. Now, preceding all of you know, the mandates for COVID jabs, you know, I pointed this out and have many times that the moment you enter the armed forces, you know, you, you hold up your hand to swear an oath to uphold, defend the constitution. Nowhere in there is it to become a guinea pig or a cannon fodder for the pharmaceutical industrial complex of which you are, you're immediately jabbed. And if not, they'll run you right out or send you to Fort Leavenworth. And they tried to do that with the COVID jab mandates. Many good people in the armed forces retired early. And, and what is that left with? It left the, the weakened, the sheeple, if you will, among military. Now, I recognize there's a, a, you know, an order that you have to follow in, in a group like that. You, you rely on orders being followed. But when those orders contravene or are in opposition to the Constitution and you don't stand up, the, that tells me that 
you might risk turning against your own people if you haven't already should the orders come down. If you're willing to subject your own body to deadly force, not on the field of battle, but simply because you're a member of the armed forces, and the highest heights of the leadership at the Pentagon or the various hierarchy leadership positions within the United States military, including the Coast Guard, you have people that excel at following orders. This may be a point of controversy for some of you, but I would argue these are not good leaders. These are good followers at the highest level of leadership that if they didn't speak up and out overtly against the unconstitutional uh, conversion of our troops, officers, etc., into cannon fodder, experimental rats, lab rats, guinea pigs for the pharmaceutical industrial complex, then you are not a leader in the United States Armed Forces, you're a follower. And I don't care if you have a general before your name. If you didn't speak out, you're a wimp. You're a wussy. You're a coward. And look in the mirror. Don't, don't blame me. I'm just pointing out what you don't want to see. Stand against it or else you're going to be on trial one day, if, in this life or the next, kind of like the Nuremberg trials, to explain why you were just following orders and you obeyed them. And how that's not a legitimate defense. Never was, never will be. But I am pleased, again, at least they've rescinded the orders, but it's still a sad state. There is no separation between pharma and state. And the warfare being per perpetrated on humanity is far more deadly from the drug industry than it is from the military machinery. The war is undeclared and ongoing. And it's about poisoning you for profit. Poisoning you back to health, which is absurd as well. All right, let me bring Super Don into the mix as we wrap up. Are there any announcements, upcoming events? Uh, thanks to certain key sponsors that support us in this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. Super Don, how are you doing in the midst of producing now a million other shows? <laughs> what am I doing? Um, no, I'm doing fine. I'm doing okay. fine. Happy, happy. You know, look, it's... Um, just all of a sudden it's like you know it's people are are approaching me and and mm -hmm. stuff and, and i'm happy to do it i i mean i am and i'm working with people that are doing good things um we desperately need help for you though you know well i know i know and I, it's it's all right i mean i'm not uh i'm not you know losing hair or anything i mean you know it's it's kind I of frustrating be. but it's it's crazy sometimes yeah. but um you know i'm i'm happy for the opportunity to be doing doing stuff with different people so yeah i know you're sick of me at this point it's been a long it's, time it has nothing to do with no, you zero me <laughs> we are married at the hip you know that. oh the, okay there you go so we anyway. don't even ask for permission that's great that's right uh so good show to get today uh emort always on yeah. fire and james was an amazing addition today with the things he's brought to our attention i appreciate <clears> that very much i'm looking forward to now we've got more on the calendar for these events to save america that emort is sponsoring to hopefully declare his candidacy officially at some point in this calendar new year. Uh, so hope you can be at that, yep. any of those events and I'll try to be at as many as I can. As long as you get some sleep in between. Yes. I'm going to rest before then. I am. I got to rest. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be like your mom or something like that. When you're at these, at yeah, these events, Robert, how did you sleep last night? You're not in college anymore. Go take a nap, eat no, a sandwich, seriously. take a nap. Think Come about on. this, the Reawaken America tour. I'm going to be sn snoozing. You know, I'm like, yeah. I can't wake up for it because I didn't rest enough. So, <laughs> yeah, I've got to do better. i got to do better. 
what other announcements? Anything else that we missed today as far as promotions or anything? Uh, just one more. I just want to mention this is a new one. We need to get uh, get her back uh, on. Yeah. But energybits.com. Sunday's broadcast we did with her, right? That's right. It was amazing. That stuff's awesome. I want everybody to get that. And you get a 20% off discount because you got you heard about it on the Robert Scott Bell Show. You know our favorite discount code, RSB20, uh, when you go to energybits.com. And they got the uh, chlorella and they got the spirulina. Clean as can be third-party validated, verified. They don't shortcut this stuff. And it's not heat-treated. So it's all intact. Yep. It's got its protein and other in- uh, nutri- nutrient integrity intact. Uh, so energybits.com, new supporters of the Robert Bell Show. Check it out, RSB20, and uh, it's amazing. My wife was so happy when I came back with that, and I got to get get you all doing that. I'm too. a big fan of it, too, actually. I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but I've always been a big fan of of the algae. You know, right here where I live, algae is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, people are talking about it all the time because it grows here. Yep. Um, so, and I, I know, I mean, it's like it's a superfood. I mean, it's just if you know anything about it, it's... Um, a whole lot of nutrition and a tiny little amount. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. Pretty amazing. All right. So, I know it's quiet in the chat room today. Is anybody there? It is. It's Thursday. It's Del, Del steals our listeners on Thursday. We get them later. <laughs> He's a good He's guy. Once a week. We're six days So a week. let's go to break. And when we come back, okay. I want you to indulge me just for a moment. Really? Uh, I normally don't do poetry. Oh dear! You're gonna do poetry now? Is it because we, we have uh, He did amazing poetry. He was. Oh, he definitely. Yeah, that was something else. But I may be able to give him a run for his money. I don't know. Really? Okay. We'll see. But uh, I think we may start a new poetry feature here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're gonna call it the Wombat Combat Poetry Hour. <laughs> That's a pretty cool name. I like it. I like that. All right, folks, we're going to take a a momentary pause. You want to stick with us for the bonus round. And if you want to find out where I got these cool blue blockers in a made in America, I'll tell you about that when we come back as well and how to get a discount for it. Thanks for being here. The power to heal is yours. Before we get to the poetry round, I I just got an email about the reversing heart disease naturally summit. That's the one I'm in, I think. Mm, no, you're the one that, well, I mean, you, may have, you might be in that one as well. There was the re- regeneration, something or other was the one that you're in. Yeah, but there was one I did with a uh, paleocardiologist, Dr. Jeff oh, Lee. okay. That's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure yeah. we get that, the word out on all those things yep. as well. A lot of good things happening online. Regenerate so yourself uh, summit. Actually, there was a link to that in the newsletter this morning. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. All right. You want to do poetry? Sure. So, so you know, yesterday we had a, a little chat uh, about something that is all the, the, the rage right now on the Internet. It's something called chat GPT. And I, this has become a daily routine for me now. I just I'm fascinated with the, the technology. You're all in and I'm protesting. I know you're kind of like scared I'm hiding under the covers and, and stuff. We were doing some stuff before the yeah. show and I was having some fun and I was more euphrasia. My, uh, yeah. Remedy. Yeah. All right. My well, eye. You do that. You might want to do a coffee enema too then. Like, yeah. Because, uh, and, and this is the subject of today's poetry Yeah. with the Chad GPT. And if you weren't listening yesterday and if you haven't seen it on the internet, it's, it's all over the news. Mm. Uh, this company open AI has put out a, um, 
and artificial intelligence that people can interact with on the internet. And this thing is amazing. Basically what they did is they gave it data uh, that cut off at, I think it was like October of 2021. So anything from October 21 back, Hmm. it has accessed all the data that's on the internet uh, and has this in its knowledge base. And you can ask it questions and challenge it to, to, you know, debate with you on certain topics and stuff like that. And it's just something I find it, it it reminds me of like something that, that in like the the Star Trek movies, like when, um, when Spock was young and he was in the training and the things, stuff like that. And he was doing like the, the computer things and stuff like that. And and it, it reminds me of that. So maybe that's why I like it. Cause I'm kind of a, a, a geek in that area. Okay. But in any case, so one of the things that's kind of fun is you can go on there and you can ask it to write poems. And so this morning, my son, he's big into wrestling. And I said, hey, come here, check this out. And I asked it to, I asked it to do a poem about Ric Flair. And if you know wrestling, Ric Flair is like an icon. And it, it wrote this poem about Ric Flair. It was like amazing and awesome. And it just, just was very entertaining. So uh, shortly before the show, I, uh, I was like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's see if maybe we can get the chat GPT to do a poem about coffee enemas. Now you might think, oh, come on now. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to write a poem about coffee enemas. That's that's, like, you brought that silly. up. I didn't do that. No, I did. Okay. Well, are you afraid of getting credit for that? Yeah, they're going to think because I, I harassed you about it, and you're the one that brought it up. I just want everybody to know on the record. Well, I, I just want you, I want to show you how fun this is. I said, I asked ChatGPT, I said, please create a poem about coffee enemas, thinking, that, oh, it's probably not going to, you know, it's probably going to be like, I'm sorry, I cannot write a poem about coffee enemas. No, instead, it wrote a poem about coffee enemas. And this is a poem. Now, I'm going to try something here. Can you? There we go. Can you hear that? that? Yeah, I can. Okay. little music there. So here's the poem. Coffee enemas, a ritual so bold, a way to cleanse both the young and the old, (laughs) a remedy that's been around for quite some time, said to be beneficial for the body and mind. The brew is made with coffee, water, and care, and then inserted through the rectum with flair. The caffeine, it is said, stimulates the liver, helping to release toxins that make us quiver. (laughs) Some swear by the benefits that it brings, a way to detox and spread positive things. Others say it's not scientifically sound and that the risks outweigh the benefits to be found. So whether you choose to try it or not, Coffee enemas are a method that's caught attention and debate and will continue to do so as people explore new ways to restore. I have a lame ending. You're telling me that this was written by artificial intelligence. An AI computer wrote this poem when you asked it within seconds. Okay. Well, you know what? Listen, I'll I'll accept your, your challenge. Here we go. Ready? Robert Scott Bell, please. Uh, recite a poem about coffee enemas. Go. What? Well, I I did not ask to be challenged to write a poem in seconds. I'm just asking: Is that indeed what happened? Yes, the AI five. wrote that. Yes, it did all by itself in in like an instant. It just like instant. it just spit it out. And like, I don't know yeah. why that doesn't creep you out a bit. Why would it creep me out? Okay, maybe it's just me. 
Look, I mean, it was think, actually, think about I mean, it for a second. On your desk right now is is yeah. a, a device that will connect you to the internet, connect yeah. your microphone, play sound effects, mm-hmm. uh, process your audio and stuff like that. Yeah, That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, 50 years ago, somebody had said, hey, this is what something you can have. You'd probably be like, nah, that, that can't happen. Right? It's technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just... <laughs> I'm, I mean, look, there's some of it was actually cut quite witty. I thought the ending was kind of lame, but it is weird, strange. But we talked about this yesterday, I think, and, and you're talking about people are going to use this to write their term papers, and now they're having to write software to mm-hmm. determine whether artificial intelligence writes a term paper. Are they having AI detect AI? Yes, basically, oh. I guess, yeah. And then the concern I had was kind of like the, the Michael Bolden questions yesterday about population reduction. The answer mm-hmm. did not eliminate the potential need for population reduction by their perception mm-hmm. and how that would manifest in a Skynet scenario. So pardon me for being a little reticent to be so gleefully excited about the poetry <laughs> about coffee enemas written in a nanosecond by artificial intelligence. In fact, if we could, I would pour a coffee enema contents onto that AI computer, hopefully to short circuit it before uh, we're all doomed. Well, you know, just like Skynet, it's not uh, located in just one central location. It's, yeah, it's you know, so it in multiple places anything. around the world. Yes, in the cloud. So it's too late. All right. Oh. Rain on my parade. Why don't you? Fine. I'm just trying to be the voice region. Now, okay. uh, as far as the poll question of the day, do you have that to show? I bet the results are pretty obvious to me. Uh, this was an easy one that you did today. I don't, but I can tell you. Hold on. Let me just refresh the page here. Uh, I'm so out of out of the practice of, of doing the poll because I had to take a break. I didn't have it up here. But the question is, will Biden be treated the same as Trump was for having classified documents at home? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. 92% say no. Yeah, of course. It's going to be like, please stop harassing Biden. How dare you? This is a Trump conspiracy, Russia conspiracy to find documents of high secrecy in the garage. At least it was locked. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Steve says, let's have chat GPT compose a poem about how to solve the border crisis. (laughs) Now, is that a challenge? You know what, what, when you read that to me before or something you did on another topic, it mm-hmm. also had the disclaimers from the, you know, the it did, it had, it, it had a disclaimer at the very end of the poem. It said, it is important to note that coffee enemas are not recommended by medical professionals and may yeah. be dangerous. So, yes. So did the AI come up with that or they, they have to program? No, it? that yeah. was something in its, uh, in its, it's the stuff that it was trained with mm-hmm. that, uh, came up with that disclaimer. So, I mean, what are the people going to do? They're going to like, if they get injured or something like that, they're going to sue chat GPT yeah. <laughs> and then chat GPT can go to court. You know, actually that, that's another story that I saw. I know, I know you're freaking out about this, but yeah, uh, there's a, a company that has an artificial intelligence that is saying that it's artificial intelligence could actually uh, take on court cases and that it's, it's developed yeah. to the point that it can actually argue law in, in a, in a courtroom. Hmm. I think that's kind of, well, I, I like I said I'm geeking out a little bit money on, on I guess some law bills right? but lawyers are not gonna be happy about that as you might imagine <laughs> wow all right are we today's th- I hardly know what day it is just Thursday it's Thursday yeah, we did fire of liberty we did 
Let's see. Tomorrow, what's happening? A Friday show. Still working on recovering. We got Dr. Andrew Huff tomorrow, first hour of the show scheduled. And I don't see, is there a second hour guest? Yes. Sophia Manolesco. Sophia Manolesco. And let's see if I click on that from Jexit. What is Jexit? Jewish exit from the Democrat Party? Well, that makes sense. Oh, is that what why. it is? I think it is. <laughs> well, that should be interesting. I'm guessing that's what it is. I'm not certain, but it would make yeah. sense to me. I mean, you think about how anti-Second Amendment the Democratic Party is in large, with some exceptions. Mm-hmm. Heck, there are a lot of people in the Republican Party that are anti-Second Amendment. Let's be honest about that. But um, the idea, of course, there's a group called Jews for the uh, preservation of firearms ownership because they recognize that by giving up their firearms, it's their last line of defense. Uh, and I'm not saying that you would have defeated Hitler and the Nazis, but you would have taken a hell of a lot out of them before they killed you. Just saying. Uh, maybe they didn't know, but I think from history, we should know. So, all right. So that'll be an interesting topic tomorrow. Indeed. What else we got? Oh, any other things? What did you just put in there? Uh, that's a poem. That's a poem of Chat GPT uh, solving the border crisis. Apparently, Chat uh, GPT is a fan of open borders. Uh huh. Wonder how they program <laughs> that. Uh, it's interesting. Hmm. I mean, there's literally nothing this thing could <laughs> can't do. I mean, there are some limitations, but yeah. I'm sure. In any case, I'll just keep it to myself since you know, I don't want to become, you know. Uh, I don't want to become you said the, it though. We're married. We the transhumanist uh, uh, leader an option, so it's on just, the show. You know, so I'll have to deal with it. I just try and, you know, just trying to have some fun. And, you know, instead I just put a big dark cloud over the show. So yeah. I'll just shut my mouth now. No. By the way, if you want to get these awesome blue blocking glasses. Yes. I want America. Indigospecs.com. Indigospecs.com. Super on. We need to reach out to them because I want like their optometrist guy that I met or somebody from the family on the show so we can talk more about it. Okay. You a pair as well. But indigospecs.com. Discount code RSB10. I believe that's 10. correct. Yep. Discount. And again, it's not coming from China. It's good stuff. They really do wonderful work. Okay. I, get, I need to rest my eyes now. I've had All right. Enough. Well, you, you, you're doing, you, you obviously are feeling, feeling somewhat better today than you were yesterday. Yeah, I, I am not, yeah. I'm not uh, full on. I'm hoping I can get back into the gym tomorrow morning. It might be too ambitious, but based on where I was, um, yeah, I'm a lot better. My eyes are still irritated. And as I said, I'm doing a lot of different things for that. Um, and I didn't sleep fully as engaged well as I normally do last night, but it was better than the previous night. So definitely the right, trending the right direction. Cool. And I get pumped up when we do this show, so it doesn't seem like I'm that bad off. But I can, I can feel I'm, on, I'm kind, of, kind of like on injured reserve. But right. still, we're having some good shows, so that's good. All right, and you know, one thing I want to do—we don't do this enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, while we we have a tendency to address and interact because it just makes sense uh, at, in the moment mm-hmm. with the folks that are watching the show live. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the people that listen to us on our podcast. Uh, it, it, they are all right. They are all right. A hundred percent all right. We appreciate you guys. And um, speaking we just of like the pod- to let you every once in a while drop in live because we have a good time live too. 
That's all. Yeah, we do. We do. But we appreciate you. Um, we are seeing some growth on our podcast that I have not seen before. Mm-hmm. Now, is it a coincidence that this is happening uh, right about the same time that we put some other dynamic voices? We expanded the podcast network beyond the show, and we've drawn in a whole new audience, which is great, exciting, and I'm grateful to Ula and her husband, Mark, for the yep. preacher and the Polish girl. And new episode just uh, came out uh, this morning. And of course, stay at home yep. mom with Leslie yep. and family. Right. And by the way, I mentioned Leslie in the, uh, I did a recording this morning for next Thursday because next Thursday is a travel day. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to have to pre-record with Jonathan. But I did one with a, a woman who's doing organic agriculture on a farm in the Negev Desert in Israel that Kevin sent to us. She's a really cool lady. There's an event coming up. And I thought, this is an interesting opportunity because she says she has six boys with her husband. And I said, well, my friend wow. Leslie has six girls. Maybe we should get you all together. <laughs> nice. So that, that was kind of cool. But yes. Cool. So anyway, I just wanted to do that. And, and also just mention, like I did that uh, new episode of preacher and the Polish girl came out yesterday. Title of it is uh, two. Oh, doggone it. I'm just going to draw a blank now. What is it? Is Uli even here? Is Ula on? I don't think so. I think it's two sides of the autism spectrum is what it's called. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So check it out uh, if you haven't yet. And that's all I got. That's all I got. Y'all got anything else before we wrap it up here today? It's the bonus round. Did, did I utilize? Uh, I didn't in the last couple of days. Because, um, you know, I should. Actually, Stephen, it's really accurate i should add that into my my nighttime mix now because i don't normally have trouble sleeping and i i haven't been sleeping as well with this so i'm going to do that tonight so thank you Stephen, for that sleep time formulation from nutritional frontiers you can get it for i use that time. and my wife used that every night nice yep rsb 15 it, discount 15 percent off even when it's on sale which is great all right, with that, uh, God willing, we'll see you less than 24 hours from now to wrap up the broadcast week right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. And thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll see you tomorrow.